So what is the gospel? The word gospel simply means good news. That's what it means. It means the good news, or, or specifically the good news of God. It's not our good news. It's, it, it, God is heralding this good news. And, 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 and so that should kind of give you some context there, that it's God's good news. And, and the problem is we all know that the gospel, gospel means good news. Where we get into issues is when we, we try to quantify or define what that good news is. That can be a little tougher, but that is what we're going to try to do. And I learned something about you guys when we did our study in the Sermon on the Mount. Remember that study? We were there for a long time. And what I learned about you is you're very negative people. Now, I'm just I'm joking. No, what, what, I, what I learned is we did this study, the Sermon on the Mount. I had several people tell me that they really enjoyed our approach to the Beatitudes. Because when we walked through the Beatitudes to define them, we always said, okay, this is not this and it is this. And I had several people go, you know what? I've never, I've never thought of the negative side of it. And that really helped me get a clear picture on what that beatitude was. And so um, knowing that, we're going to take the same approach this morning. So as we begin to look at what the gospel uh, is and answer that question, what is the gospel? We're going to start um, by, by telling you three things that the gospel is not. Okay, and maybe that's going to help provide clarity. I think that it will. Um, so let's start. Uh, and, and here's the first. The first thing I want you to know this morning is, is that the gospel is not religion. Guys, the gospel is not religion. Martin Luther, the early church father and reformer, um, said, listen, as sinners, we're going to try to approach God in one of two ways. We're either going to approach God out of religion, okay? We're going to approach God out of religion and spirituality, or we're going to approach him through the gospel. And what I want you to see this morning is that those two, two ways are as, as different as night and day. And so what I've done for you in your sermon notes there, you've got two categories or two columns. One is religion, the other is the gospel. I want to show you how vast the difference is between religion and the gospel. See, this is what religion says. Uh, religion basically, and, and this includes Old Testament, okay, Old Covenant theology, um, which the proper term for Old Covenant theology is Deuteronomic theology. Um, and, and, and it would say this, that if we obey God, then he will love us and bless us. If we obey, then God will love us and bless us. It's always harder to get through the second one. Okay, and again, this is Deuteronomic theology, and it's basically a cause and effect theology. It's a cause and effect. If I do this, then God will do this. And if I do this, then God will do this. And the problem with that kind of theology, or, or theology just means thinking about God. The, the problem of thinking that way about God is that, that it's extremely works-based and it's completely man-centered. It's all about what you do. Okay. Now, here's, here's what the gospel would say. So religion says, if, if, if I obey God, God will love me. But the gospel says, no, it's because God loved you that he sent Jesus through whom you can obey. All right. That's what it says. It says, no, 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 no. You've got it wrong. It's not if you obey God, God will love you. It's God loves you. And so he sent away his son, Jesus, so that you can obey him. So that you can obey him. John 3, 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? John, uh, in John 15, Jesus is talking. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If a man remains in me, my words remain in him. He'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, get this, you can do nothing. And so we put those together and we understand that, that because God loves us, he sent Jesus. And it's only, only, only through Jesus that we can obey God. Wow. That's night and day. That's completely different. It, it's not now about, well, if I obey, God will love me. No, it's God loves me and he's provided a way for me to obey. Night and day, huge, huge difference. Let's look at another one. 
religion uh, tells us that uh, the world is is full of good and and bad people. Right? world's made up of good and bad people, righteous and unrighteous, obedient and, and disobedient. That's what the world would tell us. Uh, the gospel reveals a different story. The gospel says all people are bad. All right. Welcome. Glad you're here with us. We're having a meeting of bad people this morning. That's what we are. Right. And that's what the gospel says. The gospel says all people are bad. All people are unrighteous. All people are disobedient. Romans 3.10 says, listen, there's no one righteous, not even one, not even one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And so so while religion would tell us that the world is made up of good people and bad people, the gospel would tell us, no, no, the world is made up of completely bad people and the only difference is whether or not they're repentant. See, that's what John preached. That's what Jesus preached. That's what Peter preached. That's what Paul preached. Always about repentance. It's not about good or bad. It's about whether or not you found faith in Jesus and have repented of your old lifestyle of sin. Some more. Just want you to see the difference. Religion is all about what you do, okay? It's all about becoming a good or or, or being a moral person. It's all about you. It's all about what you do, okay? But the gospel is all about what God does for you. That's the gospel. It's not about what you do. It's about what God does for you. That's called grace, by the way. Ephesians 2, 8, for it's by grace that we've been saved, right? And this is through faith. It's not of works. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's by grace. Philippians 1, 6 reminds us who's doing the work, right? And this is, this is what it says, talking about God. It says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, religion says it's all about what you do, but the gospel says it's all about what God does in you and for you. It's night and day. It's night and day. Some more. Religion. The goal of religion is to get things from God. Don't believe me? Then you haven't really experienced it. Religion is all about what you do in order to get things from God. And these are some of the things that you get from God. I mean, according to religion, is we're going to get blessing and we're going to get health and we're going to get wealth. We're going to get eternal life. Again, it all depends upon my obedience. It's what religion would teach you. It's all, religion's all about what you get from God. Okay, but here's the gospel. The gospel is all about the fact that you get God. That's the gospel. The gospel is the fact that you get God who is all those things. God is the ultimate goal of the gospel. God is the prize, as Paul would say. That's the gospel. Religion is all about what we get from him. The gospel is about the fact that we get him. And not just at some far off future date, my friends. He's the ultimate goal. He's the ultimate goal. Not heaven, not blessing. God is the ultimate goal. I could go on some more. We could actually spend the whole morning talking about the difference between religion and the gospel. I'm a little passionate about it. Ah, I'll give you one more. Religion leads to uncertainty. See, because religion is all about what you do, you're always going to wonder if you've done enough. Have I done enough? Was I good enough? Have I earned God's favor? The gospel, which, by the way, says, no, you haven't. No, you can't do enough. But here's what the gospel brings. In spite of saying, no, you're not good enough, you know what the gospel brings? Confidence and peace. Confidence and peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, uh, talking about Christ, 
says, for he himself is our peace. Why is he our peace? Because he has demolished the dividing wall. He has gotten rid of the consequence of our sin. Jesus has brought us peace with God. We were his enemy, but Christ has brought us peace. Uh, Ephesians 3.12 says this. It says, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God now with freedom and confidence. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In Christ, we have peace and confidence. Religion leads to uncertainty. But the gospel leads to certainty. It leads to peace. It, it, it leads to confidence. So we have to start here understanding that the gospel um, is clearly not religion. They are as different as night and day. Okay. Number two, we try to answer the question of what the gospel is. You need to know that the gospel is not a rant. The gospel is not a rant. And you know what? In today's society where we have means to uh, voice our opinions more than ever, maybe this is a message that the church needs more to ever. I'll tell you this. The church has always struggled with rants. The, The church has always struggled and they've always gotten off center. Look at the history of the church. They constantly get off center from from the main issue. I promise you. okay. but in today's society where we have access to Facebook and blogs and Twitter and I I mean, you name it more than ever, we have to guard ourselves about becoming people that are just ranting. And and, and let me explain. I want to frame this point for you. We're going to construct a little frame to kind of hold up this thing here. And here's the construction. You see, you have to understand the gospel has to be the central issue. You might call that the internal issue. You might call it the core issue, whatever you want to call it. The gospel has to be central. And here's why, because we know that it is impossible for a person to change from the outside in. You see, so the gospel has to be the central. It's got to be the internal. It's got to be on the, the, the gospel has to be in the center because it's impossible for a person to change from the outside in. That's called religion. And we know that religion doesn't work. Even though it takes a lot of work, it doesn't work. But the gospel has to be central because it changes from the outside. In. Again, we learned this when we studied the Sermon on the Mount. So let's, I'm going to make you all go back in your mind a little bit. And so we walk through the Sermon on the Mount. And remember, we got to the Beatitudes and it was very evident. Jesus doesn't lower the bar. The Beatitudes don't go, oh, hey, Christians, this is easy. And remember, he wasn't prescribing what we had to be, but he was rather describing what the people of God look like. And you start reading this about meekness. And I mean, you're going, oh, my gosh, that's a that's a high bar. And so we said, can we really attain that? And so we looked at Matthew and how he presents Christ in context. And you remember the first thing he says, Jesus is the new Moses. He's our new deliverer. We used to be slaves to sin, but in Christ, we're no longer slaves to sin. So we can do this. Right. And he goes back and he says, you know what? Jesus has entered us into the new covenant In the old covenant. It was all about what we had to do. But what's the new covenant about? It's all about what God does for us. It's about grace. And so we can do this. And then finally, we're a new creation in Christ. Right. The old is gone and the new is come. And so. So again, we've been born again, born of the spirit. John chapter three. And the Spirit of God now lives inside of us so that we can obey God. And so we know that we can be these kind of people. And, and so, so you need to understand when we talk about the gospel having to be a central issue, the gospel has to be a central issue because there's no other way for a person to change. It's got to start from the inside and work its way out. And I want to remind you of some scriptures that show this. Uh, let's start in Philippians or Colossians. I'm sorry, Colossians 1.27. It's Christ in you. Christ in you, Paul writes, the hope of glory. Christ in you. In John chapter 14, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's, he's explaining what's going to happen. He says, listen, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. 
the spirit of truth. Uh, he says the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But get this, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. He'll be in you. And so the gospel changes us from the inside out. Now, follow me. What that means then, guys, intrinsically, is that anything that works the other direction is not the gospel. If the gospel changes a person from the inside out, then anything that works from the outside in is not the gospel. It's not. It's not the gospel. And hear me in church today. We are so guilty of taking outside peripheral issues and and, and things and becoming so passionate about them that that unto us they become the gospel. I'll give you some examples. Abortion. Poverty. Sustainability. Here's a hot button topic. Gay marriage. The decay of family, government, overpopulation. We can go on and on and on and on. Affirmative action was in the news this week. It, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and, and hear me. It's not. These are these are important things. These things demand our, our, our attention in prayer. Um, they, they may take up some of our time and, and attention, uh, but they're not the gospel. And as Christians, we've got to stop confusing them as the gospel. And, and, and let me explain why. They're not the gospel because these things have no power to redeem you. Your your political rants and your conservative rants and and whatever that is, your anti-conservative, whatever it is that you're passionate about that's not the gospel, that doesn't have the power to redeem. And so when you go out and that's what you spout to the world, guess what, friends? The world is already lost and dying and they don't need more of it. Right? The, the gospel is the only thing that has the power to redeem. The gospel is the only thing that has the ability to solve your sin problem. These things aren't the gospel because they cannot and will not usher you in to, to the current and coming kingdom of Jesus. They don't do that for you. But the gospel does. These things are not the gospel because they're not adoptive in nature. They don't make you a son or a daughter, but the gospel will. Right. These things aren't the gospel because they won't take away your loneliness. They won't give you purpose in life. But the gospel does both of those things. These things don't work because they don't last like the flowers. They will fade away. But I'm here to tell you that the word of the Lord will endure forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever, the Bible says. And the Bible says this. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He will live in you now, today. This day, he's not just some far off fairy tale. Hear me, please. Our world is full of hurts and we are called to help those hurts. But as we do so, we've got to address those hurts from the inside out. This might step on some toes. We've got to address those 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 hurts with a profound passion for the gospel, because we we must believe that the gospel still has the power to change people from the inside out. J.I. Packer says it this way. Uh, He says the gospel does bring us solutions to the problems, but it does so first by solving the deepest of all human problems, the problems of man's relation. That said, it should say relation in your notes, relation with his maker. And unless we make it plain that the solution of these former problems depends upon the settling of this latter one, we are misrepresenting the message and we are becoming false witnesses of God. Put it another way, the way I put it to my group on Wednesday night, we're talking about Dallas Willard's book, The Divine Conspiracy. And he would say it this way. Listen, if we elevate these issues, these these peripheral issues, and, and we allow them to become gospel. 
And we preach them as such. And, and hear me, the church has done that. The church in, in the history has always taken issues. You go back to the biblical context and the Judaizers came in and they wanted to say, no, it's Jesus and circumcision, right? And, and, and you go back to the 50s and the 60s in the Baptist church. And, you know, we're thoroughly Baptist here. And I, I told you before, you know, well, it's the no drinking and it's the no, it's Jesus and no drinking. It's Jesus and no dancing. It's when, when you start to add these, these non-gospel issues, but you preach it as if it's the gospel, then guess what? The people in the pews believe that to be the gospel and then they go out into the world and the surrounding world believes that to be the gospel and then they reject that gospel believing that they've rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ whom they've actually never heard does that does it does the gravity of that hit you in the face that that people are rejecting they think they're rejecting the gospel of Jesus but they've never actually heard the gospel of Jesus they've just heard our junk They've just heard our rants. They've never heard how God loves them. They've just, they've just heard the way that, that we've talked about left wing and right wing and this and that. They've heard all our political stuff, but they've never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's something desperately wrong there. I was talking to a friend this week. He called to check up on me since hope was gone. And uh, he said, what are you preaching on Sunday? And I told him, and I shared this point, and... Uh, it was like all the air was sucked out of our conversation. I said, yeah, it's kind of heavy. It feels like an elephant sitting on my chest. To think that you and I could possibly be going out and putting forth something that's not the gospel. And that a lost and dying world is rejecting it, believing that they're rejecting Jesus in whom they've never actually heard the true gospel. Guys, it breaks my heart. The gospel's not a rant. Number three, uh, I share with you this morning that the gospel is not a recipe. It became popular um, several years ago in the church, this movement to define what was called as uh, the simple gospel. And, and the simple gospel was an effort. I think it was it began as a good spirited effort. They, they wanted to try to define like what are the basics you need to share with somebody? If you only have a few minutes to share the gospel, what are the basics? Another way to say that is what can I leave out of the story? Like, what, what, what's the, this is what we said last Sunday. What, what, what are the bare um, minimum entrance requirements into the kingdom of God, right? And of course, that's not biblical. That's not a biblical concept. Jesus never says, here's the bare minimum that you can do to, to get into heaven. And, and, and so we, we talked about that. Jesus, in fact, says the opposite. He says to, to people, listen, if you want me and you want this, the, my life, then you have to give me your life. It's an exchange, right? He says, leave you, follow me. That's what we talked about all last week. And, and so um, the, the, the gospel... Uh, in, I can't even say in short. The gospel is the very story of God. The gospel is the very story of God, and it is the story of us, and it's the story of redemption. And friends, it's, it's a story that only makes sense in context. It only makes sense in context. If, if you try to take A, B, and C and remove it from the heart of the context of the gospel, then you can't understand it. How can you understand this God who's all-powerful, right? And He made everything that we see and everything that we don't. And He's completely loving, yet He's completely just. And because of His loving and His justice, and then, and then, and then people, and then we were made in this God's image, and we were given His communicable attributes and the ability to think and to love and to reason. And somehow in our reason, because our heart is deceitful above all else, 
and beyond cure, we began to think that God was cheating us and holding out on us, that this good God was somehow lying to us. And we didn't believe God in the very hearts of who we are. But we began to question his nature. And so we rebelled against God and we actually became his enemies. And because of our rebellion, God had to do something because he is totally loving and totally just. And you see that thing that happened, that rebellion is called sin. And that sin demands a death payment. But God, who is gracious and he loves us, even in that moment of sin, he 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 allowed death to enter the world. But he killed an animal instead of us. And he covered our shame and our nakedness. And he gave us skins to wear as as he then said, I'm sorry, but no longer can you be in my presence. And then that same God has pursued that relationship, that broken relationship, though we're the one that walked out on him, though we're the ones that called him a liar. He has pursued us passionately time and time and time again. He's provided a way for our sins to be forgiven. And he continued to pursue us saying, I promise you, my child, that a day is coming and will soon be here when one will come that will pay for the sins of mankind forevermore. And it's only in the context of the entire story that the gospel makes sense. And when you try to take it out of context and you say, well, here's A, B and C that you have to do. And here's one, two and three that you have to do. You, 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 you just pray this little magic prayer and you hop in this water and we stick you on a church roll. You, you miss the greater story of God's coming kingdom, which, by the way, Jesus says has already begun. He says to the woman at the well, you remember? A time is coming and has now come when you won't worship God on this mountain. Or he says, listen, the, the kingdom of God has been inaugurated amongst us and follow me here. See, we, if we don't have the gospel in context, then we miss that. And we miss the fact that we're invited in to be a part of the story of God. And the, the kingdom that has already begun, we get to play a role in. A role that will last forever, not like the work that you do that will fade away one day. But, but, but a role that will last forever. We're invited into this story and even worse, here's the worst part of it. If we don't have the whole gospel, we end up missing God himself. And we miss the fact that this God loves us so much that he provided a way not just for us to be saved for eternal life. He provided a way for us to have a relationship with him again. Here and now, you see, so many of us have bought into the fact that the gospel only has to do with later. That we're not experiencing any of the fulfillment that God has for us now. That we're still feeling like orphans, even though Jesus promised, I'm not leaving you as orphans. We're not understanding that the deep gospel, the true gospel, is a gospel that saves us now and forever. That enters us into a relationship with Jesus now and forever. That's the deep story of the gospel. Now we have God right now, not just later. Guys, that has supreme impact on our faith journey, or it should. Jesus has called us our children, his children now. I'm telling you, it's a big, far-reaching gospel, and it cannot be minimalized without missing the heart of it altogether. The gospel can't be a recipe. That's tough if you're a pastor, because you want it to be. That's tough if you're a Christian. I, so many Christians go, I just, I just want the basics. Can you just give me the one, two, three that I have to do? And I have to say to them, no. No, I guess I, I, guess I can't. I can't. God loves you, and he wants you now. Not just when you die. So what do we do um, as we learn what the gospel's not? As we realize that so many of us have bought into a definition of the gospel that is really not accurate. How do we deal with that? That's a tough question. So I've got a few things, okay? 
first and foremost, you need to reject all the things that are not accurate, okay? Uh, Paul would write this to the church in Galatia. Uh, the Galatians, that, that, that the Judaizers came in and said, listen, it's Jesus plus circumcision. He says, no, 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 no. That's not another gospel. Um, he, he's like, that's not a different version. He's like, that's not the gospel. Reject it. Reject it. Those, 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 and, he, and he goes on. Those people, those people are headed down the wrong path. They're headed towards hell. And, and you, just, you, you reject that. It's not, it's not Jesus. And he says, that's not a different variety of the gospel. That's not the gospel at all. And so here's, here's the challenge for us, folks. If we've grown up and we've believed some of these things, and, and, and if, you're, if I'm not the only Christian here that thought, hey, being a son of, of God was, was just for later in life, if you've bought into that, you need to reject that because that, that, that's only a part of the story, my friend. No, no, it does handle the afterlife, but, but more importantly, it starts right now. That you're not alone, that God loves you, that he's with you, that he's not forsaking you. And, and so often we have these big questions, well, why God, why God? We've, we've got to reject those things. We've got to reject, you know, many people have bought into that, that, that false gospel um, that we, we talked about earlier that, you know, if I do this, God will do this. And some of you honestly think that God's a big meanie and you're wondering, well, God, I did this. I was obedient here. Why didn't you bless me? And we keep looking for, for houses and homes and health and all these other things. And yet God says, I never promised you any of that. I promised you me. I didn't, I didn't promise that every storm would, would, would stall. I promised that I would be with you. That's the promise. You get me. You get peace. That's what you get. Some of you have bought into that wrong gospel and you honestly feel like God is against you. And the Bible says, no, my friend, God is for you. And so you have to reject all those false gospels, all those prosperity gospels. You've got to throw them out with the bathwater. Once you reject them, there's one more thing you need to do. This one's not fun for people. They don't like it. You've got to repent. Repent means that I was heading in that direction and I was believing those things about God. And then God spoke to me and I realized the truth of God's word. And so I literally stopped the direction that I was going. I turned around and I started going back towards him. God wants to pursue you in a personal, passionate way right now, not just when you die. Are you experiencing that today? If you're not, maybe you've bought into the wrong gospel. Maybe you need to reject that gospel and repent and turn towards Jesus, okay? And finally, here's the last one. Receive. Uh, ultimately, we've got to receive the gift of God, which is grace. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done for you. It's God who began to work in you, and he will bring it about to completion. That's what the word of God says. Can you receive the grace of God? Or are you still trying to do it on your own? Are you struggling with that feeling of being a failure? Are you trusting that Jesus is indeed who he says he is and that his word will do exactly what he says it will do, that it would accomplish the purpose for what 